Hi, this is Debbie Taylor-Williams. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast. I'm so glad you're here and pray the Lord will speak to you through this message. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Acts 14, and we're going to jump right in. And I want to read part of this just as a reminder to us to refresh our memories. It says, beginning in verse 1, that in Iconium they entered the synagogue, and of course this is Paul and Barnabas, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed both of Jews and Greeks. I want to encourage you with your first point on your listening guide to speak in a manner, that is the fill in the blank, speak in a manner where people can believe. Now, what do I mean by that? Wherever Paul went, he spoke to them in a language that they understood. He was trained in one of the uh, best universities. So when he went, and we'll see later, when he is speaking with Greeks and philosophers, he speaks to them in that language. But when he is speaking to people who believe in idols, he's going to speak to them in language that they can understand. So when you're talking to someone, make sure that you use language that is not what we call Christianese. People don't know what the word redemption means. People don't know perhaps what salvation means. And so, if you are not already familiar with how you can use terminology to relate to people, even as Jesus did, speaking differently to the woman at the well than he did to Nicodemus, then uh, you can, I'll, I'll help you with that. I have a book called Discovering His Passion, which is based on Luke 19.10, that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. And it has a section in there for how you can speak with different people based on who Christ is in a way that would relate to them in their lives. So if you're interested in that, let me know. It thrills me when people are, are, are interested in learning how to share the gospel. I just had a church order of discovering his passion because obviously their church is and the women in their church are hungry to learn how to communicate about Jesus and how important that is. So this is the first thing we see, that they spoke in a manner, in such a manner, the large number of the people believed. Now, it says here in verse 2 and 3, but the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. Our second point is realize that people will choose sometimes to disbelieve believe. It's not that they don't have the facts. It's not that they don't have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They choose to disbelieve. This is the word. I looked it up in the Greek. It's not unbelief. It's not not have faith. It is a choice that some people may make, which grieves our heart, but we can keep praying for them. We also have to recognize that they will stir up. Unbelievers may, not all, but some unbelievers will stir up others against believers. And we see this, you may have seen it in your home, our nation, our world. The highest degree of stirring up is, is the persecution that goes on. And our third point is don't give up. In verse two, it says the Jews who disbelieve stirred up the mind, but look at what verse three says in chapter 14. It says, therefore they spent a long time. Therefore they spent a long time there speaking boldly. So just because somebody stirs up or is a little cantankerous at first or whatever, 
It may just be a therefore in your life. Therefore, you need to spend more time with them. Therefore, you need to pray for more opportunities to share the gospel. But this whole book of Acts is about sharing the gospel. Do we all understand that? And so it's important for us that we don't just come here and say, that is so awesome what Paul and Barnabas did. And Peter, that is so good. Way to go, you fellas. No. The Lord is saying, I have it here, so you will see, so it'll be way to go, you ladies. He needs each one of us to continue the work they began. Verse 3 is powerful. I hope you didn't miss it. After it says, therefore, they spent a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord. So speak boldly with your reliance on the Lord. But then look at our fourth point, be excited and amazed. Be excited and amazed that the Lord wants to speak through your lips because look at what it says in verse three, with reliance on the Lord who was testifying to the word of his grace. It says very clearly in that passage, it says, the Lord who was testifying, the Lord Jesus was using their bodies. It was like Christ was there speaking through them, drawing on the richness of what he, the word, was able to communicate. So go out there boldly, speak the word, no. That if you have prayed, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Use me for your glory. Open my eyes to see someone I can speak to. Just start opening your mouth. I invited two waitresses at a restaurant that I was at yesterday. They said they wanted to come. I'm going to be following up with them. One of them said she couldn't come this morning. She was at work. Just, you'll be surprised at how many people may say, oh, yes, that would be nice to get together with some other women. Say to them, would you come and be my guest? Somebody doesn't want to walk in strange and say, would you be my guest at a Bible study I attend? And then offer to meet them at a door, pick them up. And then we see our fifth point, they continued witnessing, it tells us. In verses 8 through 19 at Lystra, there's a point I want us to look at. It says, at Lystra, a man was sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who... When he, Paul, had fixed his gaze on him and seen that he had faith to be made well. Friends, our sixth point is look into people's eyes when you talk to them. It is easy for us not to look into people's eyes. Look into their eyes when you talk to them and look to see if in their eyes there is a reaction, and I'm, I'm so sorry on my PowerPoint for X14, and I may end up trying to go ahead and put it on uh, YouTube for you, but I researched the eyes, and there is our eyes changed, change, our pupils change based on information we are receiving. Our pupils may get larger, they may, they, they, they literally are able to reveal if somebody is seeing is agreeing is reacting and Paul saw it so look in people's eyes and watch to see if they're responding to the truth that you are speaking to them and our seventh point in 11 through 15 is offer your body to Christ so your words and actions are a demonstration 
of God's spirit and power. So you have the opportunity to tell others because we see here in 11 through 15, they, uh, the people after Paul healed this lame man at Lystra, that they then thought that they were gods. But Paul went on to explain that they were men just like them. But, and what they were seeing was the Lord God, the true Lord God. We see in, uh, and I've given you some additional references there, 1 Corinthians 2, 4, Paul says in that verse, he says that he wanted, he said, I did not come to you with speaking words of wisdom or of, of his own, but he said, my speaking came to you in demonstration. Paul said that, my, my came to you in a demonstration of the spirit and of power. He is flesh and blood, Paul, just like you and me. So yours and my lives can be a demonstration of the spirit and of power. Oh, ladies, we are not unequipped. We've got the battery, we've got the charge, we've got the dunamis, we've got the dynamite of the Holy Spirit in us. Let's show it to others. That is, that is our calling, that is our charge. We have to see our eighth point though, is that we have to respect people's free will, God does. And we see that in 1617, he says, in the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways. And yet he did not leave them without witness. And that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Friends, I pray that what we are not seeing in our nation is God letting our nation go its own way. Because it is not headed in the right direction. That's why it is critical that every single one of us do everything within us through the power of the Holy Spirit to dedicate our lives until he takes us home to living for him. Could I hear an amen? amen? Everything, everything we must do. And I'm glad you're here because you're, you and I coming, we are being trained by the Holy Spirit what to do here. Now, our ninth point is keep in mind that Christ and the servant is not above the master. Therefore, believers will be misunderstood and hated by some. And of course, we see here where they stoned Paul. And I just, it, it, it hurts me, and I'm gonna have to move quickly, but it hurts me that we move so quickly past stoned Paul. Research stoning. Go back and look at it. Gotquestions.com is a great source where you can type in any questions. We don't need to just bypass that, that Paul was stoned. He was hated. Huge rocks were thrown on his head. His organs, his, his eyes, his hands. It's not just a quick verse in the Bible, he was stoned. But look what he did. He, our 10th point, continued in the work. He got up. And I can't imagine how those around him, Barnabas and perhaps Timothy who was there, helped pick him up. Did they carry him to Lois and Eunice's house? We don't know. 
but they would have had to have washed him and bathed him and nursed him and, and tried to help him because the next day he got up and was he limping? Of course he probably was, but he kept on. So friends, I'm asking you to remind me if I ever get wimpy about studying and teaching and sharing my faith, I want you to hold me accountable and say, come on, Debbie, get up. Don't, you have permission to say to me, don't be a wimp. Because sometimes we can forget and life can be hard. You have some takeaways there you can look at. But now we want to go ahead and we want to look at today. And I think one reason that I continue to feel so passionate about our gathering and keeping our eyes on what we are doing here is because of what is going on in our world. And Lord, I just pray that you speak through me now. Since we've seen each other, January 28th to February 4th, the Chinese spy balloon passed over America and Western Canada and the, the United States. Did you at any point in that time, were you at any point in that time a little bit troubled about a Chinese spy balloon passing over us? The next day, February 5th, CBS aired a satanic performance during the Grammys where thousands of teenagers would have watched it, hosted by our own pharmaceutical company, among others, Pfizer. It featured a demonic performance by entertainer Sam Smith, who claims to be non-binary, and Kim Petras, who claims to be transgender. These two gave the nation a Satan-themed rendition of their song, Unholy in which Petrus performed inside a cage with drag queen dancers dressed in scanty devil outfits with whips. Simultaneously, Smith gyrated in a costume featuring devil horns protruding from his top hat with his own similarly dressed demonic looking dancers on their knees, barely covered gyrating in his face, and it gets worse. Did any of you see a glimpse of it? it? It, yes, a glimpse of it was given on one of the news stations, and I was horrified. This is our nation. It was the nastiest thing I've ever seen, sexually perverse thing, one of them that I've ever seen. The next day in Oklahoma, while Governor Kevin Stitt was giving the State of the Union address in which he was calling on the legislature to pass a law banning gender transition medical treatment for minors, for those under 18, a huge protest took place by those who do not want there to be any law protecting under 18-year-olds. The next day, the largest earthquake in hundreds of years struck Turkey twice. This is the map. This is where Paul, Barnabas, everything we are studying right here, this is the part of the country where all of this just took place. Over 11,000, I believe it is, it was 10,200 at this point had been dead. That rubble, the people under it, this picture of that little boy, he is under the rubble and somebody is giving him a bottle cap of water through the rubble that he is caged under. One day people are gonna be in hell under the rubble and it's gonna be black 
And Jesus said, nobody's going to get a sip of water. Do you remember the story of Abraham and, and Lazarus? We are having visuals put before our eyes. S Satan is not hiding out. Have you felt depressed this week? Have you felt the opposition in your own life? Have you felt strife among family members? Have you felt the weight, weightiness of life in general? I have. It's been a horrible two weeks since I saw you. <laughs> we have to stay on our knees. We have to recognize when that darkness comes upon us, when the opposition, and that is the reason that I've tailored our, our study guide today because we see in it, in Acts 15 through 16, 10, 10 essentials for Christian relationships. Because when we look at Acts 14, we see the opposition from the enemy. We saw it in Acts 13. But now we are seeing in Acts 15, divisiveness, debating, dissension among some of the Jew, Jewish believers, but also among two good friends, right? You read the passage. So how do you and I relate to one another? How do we relate to people that think, who think differently than us, even in the church? This is critical. And the reason it's so critical is because if I can get at odds with you, and you get at odds with your pastor, and you get at odds with somebody in your women's ministry, and us all get at odds, Satan is clapping his hands. We who are believers have to figure it out. We have to understand what's going on in us when there is divisiveness, arguments, contentiousness, anything. We're troubled. We have to understand and recognize the darkness for what it is and choose to walk the ways of the light. And so our first point that we want to see that is the most important thing that cannot be forgotten because this is the middle of Acts. We are in Acts 15. We've just finished 14. There are 28 chapters. This is the pivotal point here, and this is it. Read it aloud with me. Salvation is by faith through the grace of the Lord Jesus. Read it again. Salvation is by faith through the grace of the Lord Jesus. And we also see in Acts 16, 10, 1 through 10, which I'm going to go back and we'll delve into a little bit more next week. But the Holy Spirit of Jesus closes and opens doors and we are to immediately obey his prompting. That is why this is so important. Because you who may have the opportunity to speak to someone who does not know Christ or who has fallen away from the faith. When the Holy Spirit prompts you, you don't dwaddle with it. You don't, you don't think, oh, well, I don't know what to No, you, you do. You act. You call. You say. You write. When the Holy Spirit prompts you, that is you being called on by the Lord Jesus Christ to be instrumental in the kingdom. We act. Can I hear an amen? And so we see all this time from Pentecost, A.D. 30, the Damascus Road, 35. And now we are at A.D. 50 at a Jerusalem Council. Fifteen years have passed. I wanted to give you that perspective. So our first key for essentials in our relationships with one another is recognize that conflict exists. You're filling the blank is that word conflict. Conflict exists in the church. Handle it as Jesus teaches us. Handle it as Jesus teaches us. Acts 15, some men come down from Judea and begin teaching the brethren. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension, 
and debate. This is not fun. Do you like arguing? Do you like conflict in your relationships? This is not fun. My sweet husband, who's a retired senior state district judge, I there were just a few times that Keith would say, oh, I'm just so tired of the conflict. Because everybody that came to him, it was conflict if you're in court, unless it was the exceptional adoption. I'm just so tired of conflict. Don't you know that Paul and Barnabas had to at some point just say, I'm just so tired of the conflict. I just, I, I've still got these bruises and sore body parts from getting stoned over here. And I come to church and this is what I get. It's okay. It's okay. We're all individuals and we're all at different stages of growing in our salvation. And some may not have studied Galatians like you have, or some may not have studied Matthew 18, and they don't know that if they have something against you, they're supposed to come to you individually first, rather than gossip about you. But we see here that we have to recognize that there is going to be conflict in the church. Our second thing that we see as we continue is it is important to maintain your relationships. Don't stop going to church if you're ticked off at somebody. That's not the answer. If you're offended, if somebody, if you think somebody is sliding you or they didn't invite you to lunch afterwards or whatever or with a group, no, mm -mm. no, no, no. We have to fight for relationships. Would you say that with me? Fight. I had a situation several weeks ago, total misunderstanding caused great conflict. When I've learned of it, I was so sincerely sorry, sincerely apologized, but the person couldn't believe that I had not intended to say how it was interpreted. Have you ever had something like that happen? And it just drives you crazy because you're saying, I really, pro I promise, I promise, I promise I didn't mean that that way. But you, so we have to fight for relationships. Where do we fight for relationships? We fight for relationships on our knees. God, make me more godly. God, I started praying, Lord, make me more mindful of my words. Help me not be careless with my words. Help me watch over my words. It was, it was a training for me in godliness, which is what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, so it was good for me, but it was hard and hurtful when the relationship was strained. Fight, maintain your relationship. Do not say, I won't get together with you again. Don't cut a person off if they've offended you. Now, if you're being physically abused by your spouse, of course, you have to separate, you have to set boundaries. But if it's just a friend or a coworker, uh, and they're a believer especially, we work to maintain those relationships because Satan would like to just get all in the middle of them and, and divide Christian friends. Have any of you ever had a challenging relationship with a Christian friend? Can I see your hand? I just told you about me. Could you tell me? Did you have Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Our third point that we see in verses four through six is when there is conflict, come together. Come together, and that's what I'm saying here, maintaining your relationships. Come together to look into divisive issues. We see this perfectly when they went to Jerusalem to the council. Keep in, at the forefront of your mind, dear sister in Christ, keep at the forefront of your mind that the other person, if they're a believer, they are your brother or sister in Christ. And 
Peter, I believe it is, later writes how we are to honor one another as fellow heirs of the grace of God. We have all, if you're a believer, we have inherited grace. And so we need to walk this pilgrim road to heaven, extending grace to one another. So we see how they came together, it says, in verse six of chapter, uh, come together to look into divisive issues, keeping at the forefront of your mind that the other person, as I said, are people, are your brothers and sisters in Christ, and that is exactly what they did. Now, our fourth point is very important, verses seven through 11, and that is speak from a scriptural position, and that is what they did. Peter stood up, after there had been much debate, and he said, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by the mouth, the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he also did to us. And verse nine, he has made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they are also. And so the debate, they have to be physically circumcised. The debate, Peter is saying, no, we couldn't even keep all the laws. So why are you gonna put this burden on them? It's a new time that God is moving. And he talked about that new time and James will build on that. We see our fifth point and we've covered it here already is we are to agree on the essentials. And the essentials are what Peter just stated. I have Jenga up here. If you pull away that we are saved by faith, then Everything that Christ died for falls apart. These were fighting words, words worth fighting for. It is the whole gospel message, grace, grace, salvation by grace. We cannot take that out because that is the whole message of the gospel. Our sixth point is listen to your brothers and sisters in Christ, open your ears, heart, and mind to what they are saying. Friends, it is so common, it's a natural human thing, that if we have a different viewpoint or opinion from somebody else, that while the other person is talking, we are fo formulating our comeback, right? I mean, they can't even finish talking because we're already formulating what they said wrong and what we're gonna say to correct them. We need to sit back, keep our mouth shut, look them in the eyeballs, try to get into their skin, feel how they feel, let them know we understand that we hear them, and then respond. And that's what we see these legalistic Jews doing that is commendable. They listened to Paul and Barnabas and Peter and James, and the Holy Spirit was able to bring them together. This is what we need to do. It says in verse 12, all the people kept silent and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating the signs and wonders. Our seventh point 
14 through 29. We're not going to read those verses. You've read them and you can read them more. But the point is seek unity and one mind through the Holy Spirit with your Christian brother and sister. Seek that unity. You'd be the one to seek it if they're not seeking it. Our eighth point, verses 30 through 35, encourage others. Encourage others with spirit-led truth. And then be sure you rejoice. Rejoice over conflict resolution. And this is what we see in verse 31. It says, when they had read it, they rejoiced because of the encouragement that the council at Jerusalem had sent by the hand of, of Silas uh, to, and Judas to them, that they did not have to be circumcised in order to prove that they were a Christian. Our ninth point Verses 36 through 16, 5. It's recognized that gifted Christians will not always agree. Would you read that out loud with me? Recognize that gifted Christians will not always agree. It, there is no judgment. There is no condemnation from the Holy Spirit written into this word condemning either Paul or Barnabas. It says, but they sharply disagreed. So sometimes you and I will just disagree, okay? Because your gift may be with the children's ministry and that's all you can think about. My passion is to come here and be with you and train you the mom so then you can train your child. It's, there's going to be times of disagreement, but you keep reading the end of the story and you will see how Paul and Barnabas got back together and how Paul was asking for John Mark to be sent to him because he was a help to him. All right, this is, the, this is why I'm focusing here on the essentials for Christian relationships. Seek that reconciliation if there has been hurt or division. And finally, our 10th and closing point in chapter 16, six through 10, that we'll pick up again with next week. It is a excited thing to rev your spiritual engine and mind and heart to just read how they passed through Phrygia and the Galatia region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak here. Sometimes God is going to put a band-aid over your mouth, even though you think, well, I wonder if I should speak. I'm no, not this time, not this second, not this moment. And after they came to Messia, they were trying to go into Bithynia. And the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. No. Paul, mm -mm. not now. No. Mm -mm. Not now. But then they came down to Troas. Verse 9, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen this vision, immediately we saw to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Friends, when, you, when the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something, it is such a strong calling. Christianity is the largest religion in the world. James Stalker captured this so greatly. He is talking about Paul, this incredible man who had been trained in Tarsus from the time he was 13. He was sent to the religious schools to be a Sanhedrin, and he had been stoned. He's fought for salvation by faith and grace alone. And it, it says in here, Paul recognized, he said, well, let me back up. It says that figure, the man from Macedonia, represented Europe and its cry for help. Europe's need of Christ. Paul recognized in it a divine summons. 
And the very next sunset that bathed the night, that night and his golden light shone on his figure, seated on the deck of a ship, the prow of which was moving toward the shores of Macedonia. And in this passage, we see the, the spread. I mean, it was like Paul was, it was like the Holy Spirit was saying, this is where I want you to go. I want you to go to Europe. And he was on the ship and he was following the Lord's will. What's going on from the Holy Spirit in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, because you also are that woman called by our Heavenly Father for such a time as uh, this, in this crazy mixed up nation that we live. Be the voice, be, be the light, be the voice, because it will really be his voice. Father, oh God, we're here and we're saying, use us recognizing that there will be dissensions. Not everybody will believe you when you speak through us. But God, in the few remaining or long remaining years and days we have, open our eyes to the spiritual warfare. Let us not be petty, weak women, but let us be strengthened by your spirit to speak and go forth in your name. Use us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about how to grow in Christ or to be saved, visit www.debbietaylorwilliams.com. Connect with me on Instagram at Debbie Taylor Williams. God bless you.